<laughs> yeah, we could just about go to lunch, couldn't we? Yeah, amen. Thank you, Austin, for that good encouragement for us, good reminder for us. Uh, Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 38 and 42, 38 to 42. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, priority, priorities. Um, really, as far as priorities go, there's really only one priority each time there's a there's a, you know, there's usually only one thing that is most important at any given time. Uh, Luke chapter 10, look at verse 38, and we'll read down to verse 42. It says, Now it came to pass as they went that he, that being Jesus, entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. And came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister uh, hath left me alone, left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she come help me. Uh, can, can you get the idea what's, what's, what's going on here? There's a crowd of people in Martha's house and she's trying to get them fed because that's what's important. Mary, her sister, isn't in the kitchen helping her. She essentially tells on her sister to Jesus. Come on, she's not doing anything. Get her to help me. All right, so look at verse 41. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. I want you to catch that. One thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now we... uh, you know, since it's the end of the year, the beginning of the new year, in just a couple of days, it's a, it's a good opportunity to review what our priority is. Uh, priorities, that's doing the most important thing. And once that is taken care of, doing the next most important thing, and then the next, and then the next. Now, at times, our priorities get messed up. We assign the wrong value to things. Uh, and things go wrong. Schedules change. Um, just to give you some silly illustrations here, and, and, and this has happened by personal experience, so don't laugh too loud. But, but when you're changing your oil, right, and, and you know, you've drained the oil out, you've cha- taken the filter off, put the new one on, uh, the priority is replacing the drain plug before you put the new oil in the, in the, in the vehicle, right? That's, that's a priority there. Um, if you tell your kids you're going to go buy them ice cream, and well, it's important to make sure you have your wallet, right? Because disappointed kids, that's tough to deal with, isn't it? Uh, guys, uh, checking with your wife before you invite your friends over for breakfast, that, that's important, all right? Check with the lady first, make, make sure things are squared. Some things are more important than other things. Now, now, sometimes that's just a general importance, like, like fishing is more important than cutting grass. Right? Okay, you guys are with me. Yes, it really is. All right? Now, but much of what we think is important, though, is really not. It's actually downright dumb, a lot of it. When it comes right down to it, we often will sacrifice the important on the altar of the urgent, Right? The thing that's making the most noise gets our attention, even when it's not the most important thing there. So we miss uh, bedtime prayer with our kids because we just 
have to see the end of that episode. And husbands and wives miss opportunities to communicate because assumptions are made and, 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 and things aren't, aren't, aren't pursued correctly. See, Martha missed an opportunity that had eternal consequences for her because she thought uh, what she thought was important was only urgent, but it was only urgent to her. See, Jesus, whatever Jesus is doing, wherever Jesus is working, that will always have the highest priority. He's always going to be doing the thing that is the most important thing at that time. Now, we, we need to say something about Mary. All right, uh, yeah, she's a little sister that left her bigger sister alone to work in the kitchen. And what little sister hasn't pulled that from time to time, right? But see, she, she's the one in, the, in this account, though, that, uh, that got it right. She picked the one needful thing. Her, her priority was right. I mean, to, to bring it over in, in, into our day and age, I mean, she wasn't interested in climbing the corporate ladder. She wasn't interested in keeping the house so clean it looked like a hospital. Uh, you know, she, she wasn't so involved in the novel. She couldn't put it down. Uh, she wasn't trying to work overtime to, to pay off the visa card. Uh, you know, she, she, she had picked her priority, and that was sitting at the feet of Jesus and making her words, his words, a part of her life. Now, we'll get to more on Mary a little later, but we need to talk some about Martha. Because Martha shows uh, some patterns here uh, about her priorities and how they're askew. Uh, she had a pattern of distraction from what was important, from her priorities. There was some division over her priorities. And then, of course, she experienced some discipline from the Lord about her priorities. And, and we... We don't want to be like Martha in this case, all right? That's, that's, that's going to be the lesson. We want to order our priorities correctly. We want to order them by avoiding some of the mistakes that Martha made. Uh, so look at verse 40. Let's look at uh, pattern number one. Uh, she has a pattern of distraction here in verse 40. It says, but Martha was cumbered about much serving. I mean, she was weighted down with the responsibility of trying to feed all these people. Uh, and, and, and came to him, came to the Lord, saying, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me uh, to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Now, she had a house full of guests, and her custom, right, her culture demanded that she be a good host, that she feed them that she make sure their feet were washed, that they had water to drink. That's what her culture, that's what her peers demanded of her. But Jesus was not so concerned about culture or custom or expectations. Jesus wanted commitment over culture, uh, commitment over status quo. That word cumbered means to to be distracted. It means to wheel about. Uh, you think of a chicken without a head. Uh, you know, she would, she, her, her face would have been, would have been twisted with, with the, that, that weird expression of, of concern and frustration kind of mixed together. You remember, uh, parents, when your kids were young, you would you know, swing them around until they got dizzy and then you would set them down on the floor. Oh, don't act like you've never done that to your kids. Come on. 
Yeah, we would spin our kids about, set them down, and then we would videotape them stumbling around because we had planned to use that as ammunition when the kids got older. But when the kids got older, they saw the videos and they threatened to kill us in our sleep. So that never actually happened. All right. That would have been Martha right here. She was over busied, spinning around, not able to walk straight, not able really to get anything done, trying to do everything at one time because she was focused at the wrong place. See, this describes Martha on the outside is how people would describe her if they were watching her spin about. And the application here is, is that we have to take time to be still and to know that God is still God, that he loves you and that he wants you conformed to the image of his dear son. We need to make sure that we stop and we listen to that still, small voice. We need to remember what it sounds like in the silence when he speaks to us. See, often we hear, don't just sit there, do something, right? But God so often wants us not just to do something, but to sit there, to spend time with him, just listen to him, hear him. Now, number two, pattern number two, is her division over the priority. This is in verse 41. And this is, this is where Jesus uh, kind of lays out for her her motivation and, and he answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. That's a very tender way that Jesus uh, addresses her. He's not really scolding her, but, but he is bringing her attention to, to a part of her life that just isn't lined up right. says, Thou art careful and troubled about many things. This is going to be Martha on the inside. This is what Jesus would see when he looked into Martha. Now, now, now men, we could learn a lot from, from, from Martha here. We, uh, we tend to find every reason to do everything except what we really need to do. When it's time to, 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 to pray with the family, man, our mind fills with those honeydew lists that even the wife has forgotten about, Right? I mean, you'd be surprised how much stuff comes in that takes our attention away from spiritual, important matters. And that word careful means to be preoccupied, like, like your, your, your mental channel surfing. Martha had so many irons in the fire, so many pots on the stove. Uh, guys would, would, would say so many fishing poles in the water. You ever try to fish with too many fishing poles? That is a frustrating thing to do. Verse 40 says that she was in the kitchen alone, which means everybody else had gone to hear Jesus. Everybody else was sitting in, what, the dining room, maybe, if that's what they had. She should have gotten the message. It should have occurred to her, maybe I should be in there with them, but, but she didn't. And it says that, that she was troubled. Now, when I'm down south, I like to catfish. I love to catfish. We don't have catfish up here, but... Um, about the closest thing we have is halibut to catfish, but you really can't compare them. So, um, the easiest time to catch catfish uh, down south is, is is in the spring when the spring rains come and the waters rise up, and just about any bait will. I mean, you can catch them on a hot dog. Right? You you can catch them on a piece of cheese. You can catch them on a ham sandwich. I'm not kidding. All right, you can catch them up there. Uh, like, like that, if the, if the water's up, if a field is flooded, if it's next to current, 
then you found a really good spot. The catfish, because they have very small eyes, they don't see well in murky water. That's why they have the whiskers. That's why they're called catfish, because they have whiskers. All right, you guys are with me. The water's going to be clouded by the spring runoff and by the fast current, so it's not going to be clear. They, they like that water that is stirred up. Okay, they like that water that is turbid. It's actually, the, they like the water that's troubled. Okay, that's, that's the word that Jesus picked here to describe Mary. Like that flooded field where the current is swirling and there's a bunch of junk in the water. That's what Mary's like on the inside. But look at verse 42. But one thing is needful, Jesus says. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. See, the, the, the mind and heart of Martha is stirred up and murky and the current's going every which way so she can't see the one needful thing. She can't see what is important. She, she can't see uh, what should take priority in her life at this moment. Martha has allowed herself to become confused, clouded on the issues of life. Martha has lost sight of what is eternal as to what is temporary. And the application here is as if Jesus is saying, Martha, your life is out of control right now. Martha, you can't even tell which way is up, which way is down. Can you tell, dear Martha, which way you should turn? Now, in, in Martha, I see one of the greatest weaknesses of men in general, churchmen in particular. It started with Adam in the garden when Adam should have spoken up. He did not speak up. When Adam didn't know what to do, he did nothing, which was wrong. Men, our families need us to walk them through the confusion of life. They, they need us to do something. They need us to step into the confusion by faith. And they need us to trust God to order that confusion. See, men, one of our wives' greatest needs outside the Lord Jesus Christ is for us as men to be men of faith and to be men of priority, men who by trusting God can make their way through the murk and confusion and then lead their families into his plan and his will. That brings us to number three. Martha experienced some, some discipline, some, some training. It, 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 it was tender, but it was, it was some discipline about her priorities. Now, can you picture what's taking place? Martha steps out of the kitchen, expecting to get that lazy little sister Mary off her rear end into the kitchen with her so she could get everybody fed. But she receives this, this gentle, loving discipline from Jesus. Now, now how would you have felt? I, I mean, if you can put yourself in, in her place, how, how, how Jesus must have looked at her with so much love, so much compassion, looking right into her soul. Now, Jesus does that with us every single moment. He looks right into us he, 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 he sees our motivation. He sees our thoughts. His eyes, those loving, piercing eyes, see right into your soul, right into every single thought. And he lays them bare. 
There's so much understanding and so much compassion, but yet what he sees in you, if it doesn't line up with scripture, if he doesn't line up with his commands, what he sees needs to be changed. When he looks at you, you stand there exposed to the truth of your motives. Though he looks at you with love in his eyes, still there is, there is obedience that needs to take place. There is change that needs to happen. Jesus says one thing is needful. One thing is important. One thing takes precedent over everything else. That one single thing. That is to sit at the feet of Jesus, and hear what he has to say to you. To be spiritually receptive. To make it the priority, not the, not the afterthought. Remember, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with basically everything you have. Listen to these scriptures, Psalm 40, verse 6. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire, Mine ears hast thou opened, burnt offerings and sin offerings hast thou not required. See, hearing the word of God is more important. Now, now get what I'm saying. Hearing the word of God is more important than service. It does not mean service is not important. You need to serve your Lord Jesus Christ. But hearing his word is more important. Again, don't just do something. Sit there. Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The hearing of God's word must come first. And it's a specific kind of hearing. Faith is, faith is out of the source of that which is heard. In other words, your faith comes from you hearing God's word. It is, it, it, it takes active hearing of God's word. In Acts 17, verse 11, it says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether these things were so. This is talking about the Bereans. See, the only way to know God more, the only way to know God better is to spend time with him. You're in a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. The only way a relationship grows is time. The only way to have your faith increased is to bury yourself in the word of God. See, this is the priority. It is the most important thing. It is the one thing that is needful. Martha missed it. Mary got it. Mary chose to unburden herself with the cares of this life, with tradition, with, with culture, with expectations of others. She sat at Jesus' feet, and Mary chose then that thing that had eternal value. Do you realize that, that death is still one per capita, right? Everybody dies. Nobody gets out of here alive. That needs to change the way we, we do things. You weren't born with the boat. You're not leaving with it. 
You didn't come into the world wearing the hottest fashions, and though you may be buried in a nice dress or a nice suit, that's going to stay in the box with your body. You weren't born with lands and titles and wealth, and you're not going to leave with those either. See, all those things are temporary. All those things are, are, are in light of eternity, they are valueless. The things of God are eternal. The things of God are the priority. Everything else is at best, second best. What, what application can we pull from this? Let me ask you a series of questions. What, what is important to you? Where does most of your time go? In the world of your mind, where is it that occupies most of your thoughts? Is your time spent rehearsing the way you would tell off your boss? Uh, is it spent reliving old memories that are gone forever? I mean, in, in, in the corridors of, of, of what makes you, you, your priorities are wrong if Christ does not have the preeminence. See, Martha was, was distracted from the words of Christ. Martha's mind was, was divisive about how important those words are. Martha was, was disciplined, of course, lovingly, but, but still she was disciplined. She was, she was taught because she did not choose sitting at the feet of Jesus to hear his words. If Martha had pri- her, her, her priorities in order, She would have been seated with Mary, listening to the words of life from the bread of life. And who knows how the people in that house would have been fed. See, Jesus wants you. Jesus wants you to get to know him. He wants to spend time with you. He wants you at his feet first and foremost. So then we have to ask, what takes us away from sitting at the feet of Jesus? What, what, what crowds into our life to push him off into the corner? He is waiting for us to order our priorities, make him number one, the way he should have been all along. But what are we allowing to push him aside? Those things, when they get between us and Jesus, those things, even if they're good things by themselves, become sin when they separate us from Christ. Jesus wants you to join him at his feet. Jesus wants you engrossed in the words that he speaks to you. He wants your relationship with him to thrive. That's only going to happen if he has the place of preeminence, if he has the place of priority, uh, if, if in your life he gets the top of the list, anything there besides him is sin. Anything there besides him is wrong. It doesn't mean you stop going to work. It doesn't mean you stop feeding your kids. It doesn't mean you, you stop washing your car. It doesn't mean that you stop going fishing. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that you don't go out and have fun. 
But those cannot be first place. Because if they are, Jesus is not. And if Jesus is not, then we are wrong. The end of the year is a great time to reevaluate your priorities. Where does Jesus place in your life? Stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Father, this morning we want to thank you for this time in your word. And we thank you for, not, not, not for what Martha did, Lord, but we thank you for what we can learn from her. We thank you for what we can learn from Mary. But Lord, most of all, we want to thank you for what we learned from you, from, from the compassion you had when Martha was wrong, from the love you had for her to take the time to, to, to correct her priority, from your willingness even to speak to her about this, that you took time away from, from the rest of the people that were seated at your feet, Thank you for the attention you gave Martha because that that assures us, Lord, that you give us that same attention, that your your eyes are turned to us and you love us with this unfathomable love. Father, please lay open our heart and minds to us. Lay us bare examine our motives and our priorities. And Father, if they are not in line with your will, please reveal that to us that we may repent of that sin and turn back to you. Help us to put you first. Our flesh is willing, but the the spirit is willing. Sorry, I got that wrong, Lord. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is so weak anesthetized to spiritual things. Please be our strength and our power as we live for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mike, would you come ahead? Pick up a new book if you need one. Hymn number 197, The Doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings Driven by conviction, we need to sit at your feet.
Um, and then, only then, can we go out and do your will, uh, led by the Spirit, in the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. So, Father, I pray first and foremost, if there be anyone here today that does not have the assurance that their sins are forgiven, and that they have eternal life, according to 1 John 5.13. They know that they know that they know that if they were to die today, they would spend eternity in your presence. I pray today they would say an everlasting yes to you. Father, for those of us that have trusted Christ at a point in time, as you draw us to yourself, Lord, teach us to not be restless, to be able to sit at your feet. We don't always have to be doing something or thinking that um, our service is even directed by you or anointed by you or, or led by you, many times it is the flesh, that uh, when we're not right, that we feel a drive to go do something. So Lord, teach us through your word today to be able to just sit at your feet, uh, take in your word, live in your presence, and then and only then, by your move, your direction, and your spirit uh, leading us, that we would go out and serve you in whatever you would have us to do. So again, thank you for this message. I pray that uh, you bring us back this next year, the new year, Lord, with just a fresh vision of what you have for us. Your word says where um, there is no vision, the people perish. So give Northland a vision, give us a vision, Father, uh, for this community and for what you have for us as you lead us. But we first sit at your feet. Thank you again for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.